Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this beautiful morning in Colorado, although it's going to change, and I think it might be changing already in the high country. Uh, we're going to have a beautiful day today. It's going to be mild, close to seasonal tomorrow. Then we drop down in temperature. We get into the 40s and 20s, and, uh, you know, it's going to start firming up the water. We're going to be talking a lot of ice fishing over the next few weeks, and uh, we're starting today, we've got some great guests lined up. We'll be talking ice fishing. Uh, but get out this cold water, even the cold weather in the open water is going to trigger some bites. We'll tell you about that. It's going to get some of these walleyes going. The bait fish are schooled up. Lots of things to take advantage of. We'll revisit some outdoor clothing again later in the show because you want to keep going outside, but you want to stay comfortable. We want to announce today, too, that we have a new partner on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and that's T-Mobile. We'll tell you more about them during the show and how, what parts they're going to play. But, you know, your your communication device, I hate to call it a cell phone or a phone anymore, is so important to your outdoor adventures. And we'll tell you how T-Mobile fits in. We're just proud to have them as our newest partner. And uh, also the other thing, that last snow we got a couple weeks ago, the fires, are one is almost totally contained. The other one hasn't grown, and they're really gaining containment. We're seeing things start to open up in those part of the mountains. We'll talk a little bit about access. There's a lot more access, so a lot going on. But I said we were going to talk ice fishing. Let's go right to the phone. Let's go to the phones. Joining me, a good friend, uh, somebody who changed the face of ice fishing 40 years ago, and it's never been the same since, Mr. Ice Fishing himself, Dave Gents. Good morning, Dave. Hey, Gary. How's it going out your way? It's going well. We got a nice, pleasant day. I'll probably have dinner on the patio today, but then it's going to get cold. And up in our up in our higher mountains, we're going to be ice fishing probably in a matter of days. And uh, in in the mid elevations, maybe in about two three weeks. And down here in the front range, maybe in about six. So we're really we're really heading into it. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, Dave, I want to set the stage for you. If you went back, oh. 45, 50 years ago, there was a hardcore group of ice fishermen, mostly in the upper Midwest. And if they wanted to ice fish, they either had to try to dress with the warmest clothing they could find, which there wasn't a lot available, sit on a bucket and freeze and try to catch fish. They wouldn't know if there was fish below them or not, and they'd hardly ever move because it was cold, and they had to haul all their stuff out there and set it up. They either did that or they fished from a big... Uh, stationary ice house like you've seen in Grumpy Old Men, which were really comfortable and really nice, but very seldom were they located where the fish were and they were impossible to move. So you had to fish there whether the fish were there or not. Then along came this gentleman, Dave Gantz, who I'm just proud to say has become a great friend of mine. We have fished together for, gosh, Dave, three, four decades. It's been a long time. And this is the 40th anniversary of what we call the revolution, all started by you, and the portable fish trap fishing shelters. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. I mean, uh, just to be able to go out there and catch fish. You know, we always used to say, uh, well, they'll start biting about 4 o'clock, you know, thinking that they were down there just waiting for 4 o'clock to come. You know, once we got uh, Vexlars involved, well, then suddenly we know they're not there. And I wasn't content until I found them. So we had to make make stuff that made that easy and comfortable, and we did. 
Yeah, well, you introduced really the use of electronics to ice fishing, uh, the Gens ice box when you could mount your Vexlar on it and have electronics on the ice. We took them out of our boats and put them out on the ice. And then you came up with a portable shelter. I think the first ones were made out of wood and your wife sewed the covers. Is that right? No, that's correct. You know, there wasn't any plastic yet around like 40 years ago. And, you know, well, we made them out of a, a cotton ducking because uh, our synthetic materials were real uh, rigid in the cold. They, they didn't hardly even bend. And, and and we just started it out and, you know, kept on going and going, building more, teaching more people, you know, going on the road. Uh, you know, I even, you know, did some shows in Colorado and, and we got to fish together out there. Yeah, we've done we've done it all over, and we used to go. Well, I remember you used to say you called the fish trap our bass boat on the lakes. You used to say that we, none of us would take our boats out at the time, sit in one place, especially if we weren't seeing fish on our flashers at the time, and continue to fish there all day. We would move, but in ice fishing, because it was so difficult to move and pack your stuff and to know if you were overfish and how they were acting that people would sit there all day and they either weren't biting or they were, and then they'd leave. But once we, you said, we're going to attack the lake. We're going to go after it like we do on our boats. And gosh, we used to drill hundred, 200 holes and look with our electronics. But then our stuff was in those portable flip over shelters that everybody's so familiar with nowadays that we could move so quickly and be on the fish and the shelters made it possible for us to fish in even the worst conditions, Dave. Yeah. And, and, you bet. We were, you know, comfortable out there. And like you said, 40 years ago, our clothing wasn't that good. And and you, you needed a little shelter from the wind. And also, if you were hiding from the other fishermen, too. You know, if, if you, you were on a catch and fish and some other fishermen would see you, they'd be over, you know, drilling your toes off, as we used to, used to say. So it had two purposes. It kept you warm and kept you hidden. Yeah, well, and, you know, and then... Um... It kept your hole from freezing up, kept your line more supple. We went, I remember you and I, we used to do what we called trap attacks, and we were in Pelican Lake in Nebraska. Gosh, this is 20-some, 30-some years ago. I'm getting old, I to tell you what, Dave. I know, and, I, hate, and, I hate saying that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember how viable the fish traps and the electronics were because we were fishing, if I remember right, we were fishing in maybe 5 to 12 feet of water for big, giant bluegills. And the weather was just brutal. I mean, like 20 below zero kind of weather. And we wouldn't, and the water was a little stained. So we would have to use an aggressive presentation till the fish came in and we'd see them on our Vexlar. And then we would change the presentation to tease them like you'd tease a cat or something, and then we'd catch them. If you didn't know when they were there and when to change, you wouldn't catch them. And there was no way we could have fished in that weather without fish traps. Yet we went there, and I forget how many dozens of master angler bluegills our group caught that day. It was what a phenomenal demonstration of what the revolution was all about, right? Yes, and, you know, Nebraska, like the Dakotas, is the wind is always blowing and blowing hard and it's really hard to detect them little bites in the, in the wind, but getting inside the, the fish trap, your shelter, you know, your, your fishing skills went up, and that's why we were successful. Well, 40 years later today, I still fish out of the fish trap flip-over shelters. I have a one-man and a two-man, depending on whether Karen's coming with me. And 
I, I keep my stuff loaded in one, and I can just slide it out of the back of the truck. I'm out on the ice. I'm fishing. When I'm done, if I want to move from hole to hole, I'm, I don't have to repack and reload my stuff. It goes right back in the back of my truck, and I'm ready to go. It truly was a revolution, and you're the man that started it all. Hardly seems like it's been 40 years, does it, my friend? No, other than uh, when I'm out there walking from spot to spot, I know I'm not going to drag that fish out a, a mile anymore like I used to. No. You know, just, hey, not- some of the things we did parked on top of the hill and went down the hill and across the lake. And, but oh. we were younger then and we could. Now I just have more equipment that helps me do that. Yeah, we we had some adventures, that's for sure. So, you know, a lot has changed. Uh, we can't cover it all today, but over the next few weeks, I'm going to be covering, even after the revolution, things, it opened up ice fishing to the general public, the use of electronics and the portable shelters. And the industry just took off. And, and we've seen so many innovations in electronics. We've seen innovations in augers. We've seen innovations in even the fish trap itself, new different designs and different types of platforms to fish out of. Uh, it's just been phenomenal. And the clothing, Dave, has gotten so good. You and I were talking earlier in the week, and every every year a new little technique comes out. We have maybe about four or five minutes left. You told me about a couple techniques that Clam has come out with in the bait side. Tell me about those. Well, the, the silky is what I've been working on the last few years. Uh, basically, it's silk threads uh, running through a, a small silicone bead. They're about an inch long, these threads are. And uh, silk is a is a natural uh, protein made by the, the silkworm. So it, it actually absorbs water and becomes really pliable. And the, the movement in the waters is almost unbelievable how, how the you, you can't really hold it still enough. Sometimes the threads will keep keep moving. And, and you can use it at, alone as a jig trailer, or you can use it with your, your plastic, or you can put live bait on it, or you might want to use all three if you're out searching for the fish. But the good thing about it is when the fish are down there, you just take the fish off and throw it instantly back in the water. It looks good, or you catch another fish. So that's yeah, it's just, you know, one of the things that that has made uh, made ice fishing more fun for me the last the, the last few years. Experimenting with this, putting more than one on, and you know, changing the uh, contrast in the colors, and taking little scissors and and trimming them silk and making it look like a little bug. It's it's actually fun when you're out there. It's like tying flies out on the ice. And it's this is called the Silky. And by the way, we're going to talk about a couple presentations that Dave's working on for Clam. And if you go to Clam's website or just uh, just Google the Silky uh, ice fishing from Clam, and then the other bait we're going to talk about, they'll come up immediately. They're available for sale in a lot of major tackle stores. And... Uh, and they're just great, great, or you can buy them even online. Another one you talked about that, you know, one of the biggest trends in open water lately has been these uh, glide-type minnows, what we used to say is a jigging wrap, a Johnny Darter. Um, and we always use those during the winter ice fishing, but they've really come on in open water. But now Clam has taken and improved that bait, and it's called the Tika Minnow. Tell me about that. Well, the tinka minnow is is made out of a zinc uh, alloy, and it's it's not lead. Let let absorb sound, and the zinc a- 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 no, it echoes the sound off. 
uh, even the treble hook hitting against the body makes a sound. So he's, you know, he's don't even need a, uh, a rattle on the thing. And it, it glides amazing in the water. I've been fishing it four days this week and, uh, and in the river. And I'm just amazed how many fish it, it catches. You know, I put one on yesterday and dropped it down to the bottom. And when I picked it up, there was a fish on it already. You know, they yeah, and it right up off the bottom. And when I fish those glide baits, when I fish those glide baits like the Tika minnow and that, I very seldom tip. In the old days, we used to tip those kind of baits with a minnow head, but the action alone usually triggers fish. Do you still tip them, or do you just fish them bare? Well, I was fishing it totally, totally bare. But here's something interesting, Terry. When I was fishing in the World Ice Fishing Championship in 1992, an illegal rig that we couldn't use during the tournament was a, a glide bait with a dropper, with a treble hook down two inches or so from the bottom of the lure. Uh, so interesting, the triple hook doesn't have to be up under the lure by by adding a little snap or you know a little string in between or even using a, a stinger hook from the summertime because a lot of our fish are caught on that treble hook on the bottom, and it just makes it easier for it to swing into their mouth. So, well, and that's a, a, that, that's a the, technique. Go ahead, Dave. Just, just a nice little tip for somebody that wants to try out one of these and you know, it's kind of fun to, you know, to sit around and, you know, to play with your ice fishing gear, you know, in the house. I I just got my clam order out in the garage. I've got to, you know, it's fun going out there, opening up these boxes and, and checking out the new stuff and getting ready for, for the winter. It's Christmas for you and I, isn't it? We're getting ready to go. My friend, we are out of time. I could talk ice fishing with you forever. I think the important thing is that you and I need to get back on the water. I know you're going to get out with our great friend and accomplished ice fisherman greg claudio who is part of this whole revolution uh but you and i got to find a way to get on the water again but dave if people want more information on all this where do they find it well clam.com or or the ice team uh there's you know we've got uh, pro staff or pros all across the country and they're all sharing their information uh on, on the ice team website and it's there's a lot of educational things there that can help us all catch more fish through the ice. Well, when you say ice team, that brings back memories. I remember when we formed the very first ice team. It's been a it's been a great ride, my friend, and it's been great talking to you. Make sure we keep in touch, and we will talk to you again very soon, Dave. Okay, Terry. Have a good one. You too. Dave Gantz, Mr. Ice Fishing. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to take you to State Park that a little later on we'll have opportunities right here in Colorado for you to get out and do it. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I was a little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering down. To Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations in Fort Collins, two in Loveland now, Lafayette, Broomfield, one in Cheyenne. You know, if you need something for the outdoors, Jax has got it. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Stagecoach Reservoir out on the Western Slope is Corey Spakes. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. What's the weather like out there? We're going to have a nice day, but then we got some winter coming. How are you guys holding up? Yeah, right now, I mean, we got clear skies at the moment, but yeah, forecast shows rain, or rain and snow mix for the next four or five days. You know, you guys do get it up there, but you get some beautiful weather. And what a winter wonderland. It's also great in the summer. 
What I'd like to do, Corey, is that there's a bunch of activities. I want to get caught up on the fishing, both current and projected into the ice season, because I know it's phenomenal right now and it's going to be phenomenal. But before we do that, COVID and a few rest, uh, improvements at the park have changed stagecoach a little bit temporarily can you bring us up to speed on the amenities and what's going on there yeah not a problem not a problem um so covid uh, i think we all are very very well aware that it's affecting everything and um it's probably good just to let folks know that the park is still open uh the park is always open um and we are still you know running the park office there if anybody needs to talk with us or, or buy anything um but we are you know encouraging social distance and as a result um our loaner gear program is temporarily on hold and it's likely to bleed into some winter event changes for this upcoming winter and uh, one of those changes i believe is uh the ice fishing contest you and you have annually probably won't happen this year is that that what i'm hearing yeah, it looks like the ice fishing tournament and likely our debunk the winter funk events will both have to be postponed or just kind of furloughed, if you will, for uh, 21. Um, it's just not feasible to have the same kind of event with four or 500 people in uh, in close proximity to each other with everything that's going on. But we are looking at alternatives to the ice fishing tournament. So maybe instead of doing a single day tournament, one option we're looking at is maybe a multiple day um, kind of virtual tournament using some sort of app-based tournament system for verification. We're looking at some some fun ways to do an alternate version that will still get folks outside and hopefully, uh, you know, introduce some new folks to the amazing fishery that Stagecoach is. Oh, it is amazing. Before we get more about that fishery, there are plenty of other activities at the park. Now, normally you would have camping now, but you're redoing the electrical in your camping. So it's day use right now. But what's going on with that? Do we have any status? Do we know when the camping will open again? Well, right now, um, that project is slated to complete in November, which would mean we would be opening for camping again in December. And uh, every winter, we try to keep as many sites as we can open for first-come campers, generally ice fishermen coming out to to attack it but uh you know it's it's probably best to stay in touch with the website um if you were to google stagecoach state park you'll find the colorado parks and wildlife website for us or checking on our facebook page we'll try and keep updates up there and there's still so much to do at the park even before we get to the fishing you have a, n- a number of trails that i believe you even groom a bunch of them for things like hiking cross-country skiing is that right we actually have um, about 10 miles of summer trail, and it's open and gorgeous right now. I mean, we'll see what this storm does. But once we get snow to stick, we will groom, and we usually groom about eight miles of trail. And it's all multi-use trail, um, non-motorized, just so folks know. But uh, in the winter, snowshoeing and cross-country skiing are, are definitely popular activities out there. Even fat biking's become a big thing lately. Well, I've seen a lot of those. That looks like they really get around. I'm surprised. And then you still are going to have events like your full moon snowshoe event and things like that and your annual first day hike, right? Absolutely. And that uh, first day hike is going to be on January 1st. And we're looking to expand our guided snowshoe offerings for this winter. We've got a couple of dates picked out for the full moons in January and February. Um, those will mostly be advertised on the Facebook page. Just if folks want to find more information, that's a good place to find them. All right. Let's talk about the fishing. I've, I'm chawing at the bit. 
you you and I talked earlier, and you're telling me right now the fishing out there is just incredible. It it is. Um, so uh, in uh, November first every year is when we close the boat ramps due to mostly ice and that kind of stuff. We get early morning ice formation, so you can't get out there with a big boat today. But you can get out there on shore, and shore fishermen are doing tremendous. You can also get out there with um, non-motorized vessels, you know, uh, kayaks, canoes, uh, pontoons, that kind of stuff. And I'm having trouble figuring out a technique that's not working right now, Terry. It's been amazing, (laughs) and I haven't seen anything small lately. Well, I was going to say, you're catching all little tiny fish, though, right? What a You guys, you go trophy trout and trophy pike. Tell people about some of the fish. Oh, absolutely. So um, the the fish in, in Stagecoach are just amazing. We, So we're kind of unique. We have some big, you know, hungry predators in there. We've got those northern pike and we've got walleye, but we also manage it as a trout fishery. And one of the strategies we use to do that is we stock big catchable rainbows. And when I say catchable, that's 10-inch minimum size. And we, we actually just stocked um, somewhere between thirty and 40,000 last week. And we do that this time of year so they can mature over the winter when the pike are a little more sluggish out there. Um, So we've got the stock going on right now, but I have not seen anything. I think the smallest fish I've seen in the last few weeks is about 16, 17 inches. It's been really, really good out there. You said you caught some big pike, too. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. We had a couple of guys. It's it's always a sign for me. we watch the, the reservoir over the summer goes through this evolution and usually ends the summer with some level of algal bloom out there. And uh, this year was not unlike that. And finally, the algae started to subside as the water cooled down. And I saw two um, northerns over 40 inches in the same weekend. And they were just tremendous fish. I mean, one of them had to be 22 inches uh, in girth. It was, it was just that circumference. It was an amazing fish. And if people I've been want- hearing about pike almost every day. Well, if I was just want to keep hearing about pike pretty consistently, so it's definitely a good time to chase them. All right. If people want to keep track of what's going on, I think you post fish photos and updates on your Facebook page. Is that right? Yeah, I would say Facebook is probably the most active um, place for us to put out information on the park, and we also encourage uh, folks who come out to post on our page. So if you come out and you, you have a great day catching, you know, those tremendous rainbows we're talking about or getting into the pike, you know, you want to share that with us and, and with the folks who play out at the lake, that would be fantastic for folks to share there. And if you want to just see some of the stuff that we've been catching and doing around the park and some of these fun construction projects and improvements we're doing, we're, we're going to keep uh, posting updates on there. We are running out of time, but there's a couple other things I want to touch on real quick. Stagecoach is an incredible ice fishing destination. When do you usually see ice, and when do you anticipate it this year? I know we don't know. Yeah, you know, Mother Nature, she she can be uh, finicky, but um, we actually keep records of when we get complete ice coverage and when the ice comes off, and we usually see ice on in that week leading up to Christmas. So somewhere between like the 18th and 28th of December, we should have full coverage. That does not mean you can't get out there earlier. We'll have ice in the coves um, well beyond or much sooner, most likely. But if you want good, stable ice to traverse that whole lake, um, probably that third week of December. 
And then, um, you know, in, in the weeks after that, that ice will thicken up. And one of the cool things with stagecoaches, we allow folks to come out with their snowmobiles and ATVs to get access to those hard to reach or, you know, long haul ice fishing destinations. And some of those can be absolutely amazing. <laughs> Oh, they are. It's just a tremendous, and what a tremendous way to get around the lake and fish. Last thing, we're not going to get in detail, but year-round you have a great trout fishery in that tailwater below the reservoir. The tailwater is, it's such a special gem, uh, you know, to this community in the state, and the fishing there is is unbelievable. Um, It's open year-round, like you were saying, and what's nice is that water flow is controlled, we also, uh, the, the water district controls the temperature through um, their outlet system. And, uh, you know, that road is open to get all the way out there in a vehicle until the end of the calendar year. And then January 1st, you can still gain access by hiking. It's, or, you know, folks will come out and ski it or bike it to get out there. And it's very, very special place in the winter because you usually, you know, not, not necessarily alone, but you're not elbow to elbow or, or float line to float line out there, which is really, really nice. We have to go. We are way over time, and Brian from Parks and Wildlife is waiting to tell us how fishermen and hunters can win some prizes. So I'm gonna have to let you, I'm gonna have to let you go right now, Corey. But what a fantastic place! We should probably get you back on again, close to ice. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, no problem, Terry. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Time classic Eagle song. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Whether you're into kayaking, hiking, if you're into ice fishing, we're going to be talking about what they carry at Jack's over the next few weeks. Just stop by Jack's. They've got it all. Let's go right to the phones. And Brian Proximus from the um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is going to talk to you how you might be able to mentor somebody hunting and fishing and maybe get a few prizes. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I know you were listening a little bit earlier. Wouldn't you love to have some of those people mentor? Let's have them mentor you and I out at uh, out at Stagecoach and catch those big fish. I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, there's some programs that um, we've had one we'll talk about a little later about the fishing one, but you have a hunting one. And we've got so many people getting outdoors, and a lot of them don't necessarily have a a background on yours, or there's a lot of youth that want to get outdoors and there's no one in the family to teach them. Maybe they don't have that dad or mom or uncle or aunt that were an outdoor enthusiast, but yet they've got the bug. So Parks and Wildlife wants to help them out. And you just now, I think you just opened, it was kind of delayed by COVID, but you just opened a, what's called Take a Friend Hunting Contest. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as, as you know, um, you know, wildlife management, wildlife habitat, it, it's funded primarily by, you know, hunters and anglers. Um, you know, so, so with, with the increase of our population in Colorado, um, a lot of people love to get outdoors. We've had wildfires, we've had drought. Um, you know, the, the, the money we need to use to, to manage wildlife, right, we, we, need, we need more of it, basically. Right? Like, like, it's so important that hunters and anglers get out there. Um, there's a lot of new hunters or people that are interested in hunting that, that just don't even know where to start. So this is a way that, that we want to encourage um, hunters to continue to get out there, but also to reach out to novice hunters, and uh, we're going to incentivize it. And so the idea is um, a mentor finds a mentee, and they, 
they take them out at least three occasions, um, I would suggest, you know, take them to a range and then go hunting um, and then follow it up maybe with a meal, show them how to prepare wild game. Um, so three, three occasions. We've got a, a site on our, our website, our Colorado Parks and Wildlife website. If you just search in our little search bar for take a friend hunting, um, you'll have um, access to the, the rules, the regulations, and the, the form to submit um, your mentor, your mentee. Um, we're looking for photos. We're looking for um, a description of, of the, the time you spent with a mentee out there. And we've got great prizes yeah. for both the mentor and the mentee. Now, before we get to some of the prizes, is there an age difference? When, you take, when you're going to mentor somebody, does it have to be youth, or could it be an inexperienced adult, or is it open to both? Is there kind of a, a guideline? Yeah, for the Take a Friend Hunting Program, we're focusing on uh, mentor and mentee, mentees that are at least 18 years old. So we're really focusing on adults um, for, for this program. Um, I do encourage, you know, there, there's a lot of parents, there's a lot of uncles, aunts that are out there as well that, that hunt. I do encourage them, get those youth out. Um, small game hunting is, is you know, we've, we've got a big season in front of us, so it's a great opportunity to take them out small game hunting yet this year. Now, so what are some of the prizes I could win if I become a mentor and take somebody out? Let's say I take them out pheasant hunting here. we got that coming up. Yeah. So what I, I've got 16 pairs of prizes for this program, so 32 gifts, um, and they include, um, you know, binoculars. I've got butcher kits, um, game shears. I've got um, a lot of gift cards, and, uh, you know, to the, to the main hunting, fishing stores. So I've got gift cards from Jack's and Sportsman's Warehouse, Cabela's Bass Pro, even Shields. And Shields actually um, matched what I purchased, and, and they donated um, gift cards as well to the program that we can give out. I've got um, some hunting backpacks, um, Alps Outdoors. I've got a couple of those. I've got rifle cases, waterfowl bags. I've, I've got shooting sticks. I've got a lot of, a lot of decent prizes. Now, how do, I, how do I register? Do I have to do it before I go, or can I do it a little bit after the fact? If I've taken somebody big game hunting already or something, how does it work? Yeah, you can do it after the fact. Um, so, so on our website, just search for Take a Friend Hunting. There's a form to fill out. Uh, I encourage people to read through the, the um, rules of the program as well because we do have to um, go through the submissions and make sure that they, they match our rules. But the mentor, the mentee, um, you know, the, the mentor submits it, and they provide the, the name and the um, CID. They submit a photo and then a description of, of what they've done. So if you've already taken people out um, big game hunting in the previous seasons and you've met the, the criteria, Feel free to fill that out, and we will um, we'll run this program till the end of February, and then in March we'll be looking through all those submissions and be um, reaching out and contacting the winners with those gifts. And I imagine you're going to try to run it again next year, I hope. so. Yeah, yeah, this is our second yeah. year running it, and, uh, yeah, it, it, we, we do a lot of outreach through CPW. We, we tie in with other partners as well that do um, outreach, but there, there's actually a lot more people wanting to get out hunting than what we have, you know, available to, to reach out to them. So this is a way that we can ask hunters to, to get out and, uh, and reach out to new people that want to hunt. Now, you, you also are, do a, take a friend fishing that's very similar, um, and I yeah. know the open water season is going to start winding down, although in the front range we'll have open water for quite a while yet. 
But ice fishing's coming up, and I think taking somebody ice fishing on this program would be so incredible because a lot of people want to go ice fishing, but they don't understand it like they do other fishing, or they don't have some of the gear that can help you be successful. Tell me how that might apply. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a very similar program to Take a Friend Hunting. Again, just go to our website and, and do the little search for Take a Friend Fishing. Very similar rules to the program. The uh, Yeah, I think with ice fishing season coming up, you know, if, if you're an angler, you've got ice fishing gear, um, odds are you've got lots of ice fishing rods. And, and, you know, you don't need to have an ice fishing rod to go ice fishing. You can use a regular rod. But, you know, it, people have the, the tools, the gear to get out there. So invite someone who's new to fishing and, and get them out there ice fishing with you. You got the gear, you got the augers, you got the sleds, um, you know, maybe you got the heaters, or maybe you got room in your, your ice hut, you know, that for a second person out there. It, it can be intimidating to get out on the ice to know, um, you know, is this ice safe? How do I fish? You know, ice fishing, what's the proper gear? This is a great opportunity for um, for ice anglers to get out there and, and just, just invite someone out there with you. And, and you can choose the days you go out. You don't have to go out on those windy, blustery days. You can find a nice day in, in the wintertime in Colorado and have a great day out there. And you can win prizes there, too, very similar to the other one, right? Yes. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got some uh, fishing reels. We've got Ross reels, Cerebella rods. Um, we've got all sorts of um, fishing gear. I believe we have a couple ice fishing sleds in the program as well. Um, that program runs in, in like um, three-month installments, and uh, you know, so you can submit each time. We, we've already awarded prizes for the, the first round. Um, the second round came through. We really didn't get that many submissions, so I'd, I'd like to encourage anglers to get out there. We'll just move those prizes right on to this next, um, this next round and come, I, I believe it goes to the end of February again. So come March, we'll be looking at people that have submitted and, uh, and award prizes again. All right, my friend, we have to run, but how do they find information again? They go to our CPW or Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and just go into our search bar and type in Take a Friend Hunting or Take a Friend Fishing. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think it's a great program, Brian. I'm just so supportive. Anytime you want to come up and update us on it, feel free to give me a call. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. We're going to take a break. We come back. Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to talk a myriad of opportunities for fishing, both Open water right now, which is tremendous, and some ice fishing coming up not that far away. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. 65 years of helping people get outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, before we get started and updating people, were you listening? Did you get to hear about that take-a-friend fishing thing? I, I got to hear about the tail end of that. I certainly think that that is uh, something that, that should be fantastic for people to take advantage of, uh, particularly on the ice, as you were mentioning. I think so, too. I think I, I'm going to challenge all the partners on this show. If you have an ice fisherman, <clears throat> encourage them to take somebody out ice fishing because it's not necessarily and it can be easy to get into, but it's intimidating. And I think uh, what it's a great way you, you, you might earn some great prizes and, and have some fun and, and make a new friend, right? 
So Absolutely, just, and not to mention get someone out in the field that otherwise may not have been. Exactly right. And, you know, we're going to need license fees to support a lot of things as, as, our, as Colorado grows. And the only way we maintain our outdoor resources is through hunting and fishing licenses. There's a few other means, but that's the major one. So we need participants. Speaking of participating, not a bad time. It's kind of a transition, but I think it's about to take off, my friend. What do you think? I completely agree. So we've had, as everyone has seen, kind of a roller coaster fall with extreme cold and, and then all of a sudden setting record highs here over the last little bit. Um, and some of those warmer temperatures haven't uh, been very fantastic as far as local fishing. But as soon as we start to get some of this cold again here and finally start to get our water level to, to, to drop as far as temperature is concerned, uh, we're going to be seeing some better fishing on the front range for species like walleyes and smallmouth bass. So when we get uh, that, that cooler temperature, our, our jigging wrap and blade bait bite should be firing up here for the tail end of boating season. And Chatville and Cherry Creek should get going, although they've been a little bit slow lately. Uh, we have been hearing that Pueblo has, has started to, to get going a little bit. So people are catching fish in a little bit deeper water uh, on slab spoon techniques out there. And, and some of those uh, standard slab spoons can be very pr- productive, but blade baits and jigging wraps also can be effective. But I tell you what, this time of year with a little bit of open water still, or actually a lot of a lot of open water still in areas, uh, in the mountains is really the place that I think I would be targeting if I was heading uh, out fishing over the next little bit here. Before we get to the mountains, a reminder, Pueblo doesn't close their boat landing, so you can do the jigging spoon bite well into the year. Be conscious if you're taking fish up from deep, but I've fished it in January and been able to catch fish. There is a a great program that Tom Bruno and I did. I actually used it for uh, an article in In Fisherman where we're out with jigging spoons on Pueblo Reservoir catching those fish, and it's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. You and I talked earlier, before we get to the trout, we talked earlier, too, the bass and ponds, you get a warm day, uh, they've become active, haven't they? Definitely, and and something that a lot of people kind of don't don't fish a lot as you get this time of year are those bass, and then fishing them in a way that that rather than going really slow with react or with uh, slow uh, finesse type baits like a senko or a ned rig, a lot of times I like adjusting and going a little bit more reactionary on some of my baits. So I'll fish a jerk bait in this cold water with some heavy snaps, but yet long pauses still. But then I really like chatterbaits and lipless crankbaits in the in the, the cold temperatures as well. Sometimes more on the yo-yo presentation when it comes to the lipless crankbaits and more of a straight retrieve on the chatterbaits. But that heavy vibration really uh, entices a lot of those bites. Those fishes can't stand it going by them, and uh, you can really catch a lot of fish and it still covers some good water. And then the other thing about a lot of these other small ponds is you get saw guys in some of these other small ponds as well, and those saw guys will. Uh, jump all over some of those same kind of techniques and then some other species in in certain uh, circumstances but uh, that is some of my favorite techniques to stay close to home as uh, we're moving into the fall here well and we're we're starting to see pretty heavy stocking of catchable rainbows up and down the front range plus the bigger waters are going to have a lot of holdover fish and i know you're going to talk about trout fishing in the mountains but the trout fishing from shore up and down the front range is going to get nothing but better over the next month until it freezes absolutely and it's going to offer success in a variety of different ways whether you want to fly fish to them throw a fly in a bubble small lures like cast masters or spinners or bait fishing. All of the above can, can be productive. And then you can cross over with some of your techniques with the jerk baits per se and, and catch maybe a walleye or a smallmouth. 
uh, to go along with some of those trout. So it can still be a multi-species opportunity as well. So real quick, what about the mountains? You know, before they start to freeze, which could happen sooner than we think, I'm hearing reports of big trout. What are you hearing? Definitely. So the, these lakes are right on the cusp of freezing, particularly ones that are a little bit more shallow, like a place like Antero or places in North Park. But we've had ice on some of them. The ice has since peeled off at least before this front is coming in. And uh, places like Stagecoach Reservoir have been absolutely on fire as of late. Stagecoach has received the fall stocking. So not only are you able to catch good numbers of fish up there, there's great big holdover fish that are still uh, being very productive up there as well. And uh, as I just mentioned, uh, on a place like Chatfield where you can fish from shore, uh, really all sorts of techniques are working up there. So I've been hearing Tasmanian devils have been very effective from shore. Uh, we've been hearing guys have been catching uh, fish on, on bait uh, fishing type uh, presentations. But then the fly fishing opportunities have also been very effective as well. Those big uh, rainbows are cruising the shorelines. But then up at places like Delaney Buttes, the brown trout are doing the same thing, but more on some of your spawning efforts. So going along your shore, fly fishing, some egg flies underneath strike indicators, but yet also throwing jerk baits or bigger streamers to try and entice some of those big spawning fish all have been very effective as of late. Yeah, I've heard nothing, but uh, Stagecoach was just on. They're catching giant fish. I talked to the folks up at North Park, up at Lake John, and they said they're weighing so many rainbows over five pounds they can't keep track. It, it, you know, it's going to be a little cooler. you got to dress for it. But when you get those days where there's still some open water from shore, you probably can't get out in a boat. But if you get where there's going to be some an inlet or an outlet or somewhere where there's open water, it's probably worth going out. And if you're out hunting, take a rod with you, hunt early in the day, do some fishing, and then hunt again later in the day. That middle-of-the-day hunting will screw you up more than help you. If people want more information, Austin, where do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend, and I'm going to challenge you to have one of your customers take a take a take a friend out fishing and earn earn a prize. Absolutely, I think it's a fantastic program. All right, thanks for joining us. As always, Austin, you're a great resource, and we love having you on. All right, thank you. That's Austin Parr. We're going to take a timeout. We come back. Nate Solinsky is going to join us, and he's going to talk hunting and fishing, and what this cold weather is going to do to both. I think it's going to be make it better. Ontario Works from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.